0: download the viator app now and use code viator10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator <coughs>
1: Combine just ended Uh, yesterday. The DBs worked out. I didn't really pay attention to them. I was more focused on the first three days because that's kind of more aligned with what the Bengals need. Um, And, you know, free agency hasn't happened yet, so the Bengals still have major needs at both offensive tackle and linebacker. And thankfully, there were quite a few names that showed out in in both those positions, specifically with the linebackers. Because if you watched those linebackers run on Sunday and then you watched the cornerbacks run on Monday, you're thinking – the linebacker group is faster than this cornerback group, and that's and honestly, it's it's a testament to how smaller linebackers are kind of getting, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a sign of how the game is kind of evolving in that sense. And it, it was it was great to see those linebackers run so well, but there was also a couple tackles that that ran and tested well and did did some drills well. So I'll start I'll start with that. The consensus number one tackle in this class is Jonah Williams, and quite honestly, his testing numbers weren't. Very great for his size at just three hundred four pounds, but uh, with, with with Williams, you know, he might not have been the guy that was always going to test well. But watching him the drills was very important to me, just to see how well his biomechanics were just up close, and because you can see him on film that he just has a natural feel for, for the position. And those drills were just a terrific showcase for his ability in terms of kick sliding, in terms of getting out in pools. So you could just see he just kind of he kind of has an innate feel for just plain offensive tackle. And you know, the, the 33 and a half inch arms helps his case, you know, because that's that passes that imaginary threshold for, for evaluators to, to stay on the outside. But I think he still look, look great in the drills. And I think that kind of passed my overall test. He, he ran well, at least and speed is important for tackles. So that was good for him. Uh, but the guys he's competing with for offensive tackle one, Juwan Taylor and Andre Dillard, Taylor is going to be your prototypical gap scheme, right tackle while Dillard is more of that zone blocking athletic explosive tackle that, you know, what was like the best case scenario for Cedric with with Taylor. He, I think he said he was down 50 pounds compared to what he was a couple months ago. He was down to 312 pounds and he looked extremely light in drills. He didn't run or do any like a uh, time testing or any jumps or anything like that, but he looked really fluid in those drills. And I don't know if that was because of that extreme lost weight, but regardless, I think he held his stock because of that. And with Diller, he tested as the best offensive tackle in this class, and you know, similar to Colton Miller last year for UCLA, um, he blew away the blew people away at the combine and ended up getting drafted in the first round. I think that's going to happen um, to Dillard in a similar fashion, where you know he might he may not be a first round tackle on tape, but he has first round testing ability, and you you just got to hope that wherever he goes, that people get the most out of you know, hit what, what base that he has in terms of the pass protector because if you can figure that out, he's probably gonna have that high quality potential. But if the Bengals don't take a tackle in the first round, there's a couple guys that I really liked in terms of that second or third arm range. That's Titus Howard and Max Sharping. Both are small school guys, but both tested very well for the size. They both were at least 320 pounds. They ran fast forties. They had some good jumps and again speed explosion are the two traits athletically that you look for in offensive tackles and they, they tested very well and they kind of confirmed what you, you can see on tape with them. You know, they have a good, they also have a good base and a good feel for pass protection. They just need a little bit more refinement, but if you have something that you can work off of and not have to rework everything, then you have something good for, in terms of a long-term investment. So offensive tackles, I think overall, it was a, it was a solid um, weekend for them. And for the Bengals, if they don't find a starter right tackle, I think they can find someone in the first 50 or 70 picks that can maybe start for start early in the careers for them. And then when you look at linebackers, um, the two Devons really stood out, right? Because Devin White, Devin Bush, both tested in the 90th percentile in speed, explosion, flexibility. <coughs> um, checked off every box. I think White you know, interviewed extremely well. He's one of the four guys that NFL media – or you know, saying that you know blew it away on the whiteboard in terms of just overall leadership qualities. But you know, Devin Bush, man, like people were talking about him being maybe there in that second round pick for the Bengals, and that's just not gonna happen anymore. And I think we all owe an apology to Jeff Hobson, who mocked Devin Bush to the Bengals in the first round. And you're thinking this is this is a reach. why why the heck would they take him that early? But I mean, he tested just as well, if not better, than Devin White, and he has also high quality production at Michigan. So I think both are firmly in that top 16 conversation. White, or excuse me, yeah, White probably won't make it out of the top 10, and if White's gone and Bush is still there at 11, I think the Bengals have to seriously consider him, but again, if, if they ignore the linebacker position in round one, the two guys that I think are sh- should be firmly in that top 100 conversation are Blake Cashman and Drew Tranquil. Now, Cashman is a linebacker from Minnesota who tested g- kind of just behind where White and Bush both were, but um, he, he's one of those guys where, you know, you see how well he tested and you're thinking, I got, I, I've never heard of this guy before. And then you look on his tape and you're thinking, yeah, that athleticism shows up everywhere, you know, <laughs> against big 10 competition. He was extremely productive and every part of the athleticism showed. And, you know, he, he wasn't a guy that a lot of people knew about, but he's probably going to be drafted in that second or third round range. And uh, Tranquil was a Notre Dame safety converted to linebacker. He was also pretty productive. He's more of on the older side, but being that, Converted safety he has that explosion and that natural speed that you would expect a defensive back to have, and he might not be a, as big as you know the traditional linebackers go and whatnot. But in terms of open field ability, downfield ability to get to get downhill and to fill those gaps, I think he has great ability in that sense, even for lack of size. So I think for the two biggest positions in terms of need that the Bengals have, you know, ignoring what what they do in free agency, I think they're athletic targets who also have production in terms of linebackers that can fill, you know, that can potentially make a difference for the Bengals early on.
0: So you had, you had Jonah as your Jonah Williams is your number one tackle. Is that what you said? Jonah's one right now and I don't think he's going to move. You don't think he's going to move No. Okay. I, the reason I ask is because he, uh, you know, I, I had a particular eye on him in the national championship game and uh he did he he did not do well against that vaunted clemson line um, yeah he had a few bad reps against farrell I'll yeah give him that. yeah um and uh that that i that kind of stood out to me and i was going whoa because obviously he was a name that in early mock drafts that was linked to the Bengals quite often so um you know i i, I look at that but yeah, you know i think that group had a good showing like you said the linebackers had a good showing um my God, the the wide receivers and the tight ends, man, they just exploded, <laughs> exploded the place. Um, and especially for tight end, that is a need for the Bengals, um, at least at some level. I don't think it's one it at number eleven overall, um, but it is probably in discussion. Night two, um, you know, I think that's got to be in the discussion, depending on what happens with those four aforementioned tight ends that are set to hit the market. But Noah Fant. Uh, Hawkinson, um, a slew of others tested very well at the position. There's probably going to be guys on day three, rounds four, five, and six that probably will end up contributing for teams uh, uh, on a decent level. So that stuck out to me. The question I want to ask you, John, with all of the wide receivers testing well now, you know, all of a sudden DK Metcalf was the the combine darling early, uh, because he was he ran you know incredibly well he, he jumped all that kind of stuff but when it came to lateral movement and all that stuff he could he he did not test well but i mean some of the scores were just astronomical as were with other wide receiver groups i i, I just wonder i again i don't know if i want to say it's necessarily at, at 11 but you know we're saying hey maybe fourth round maybe fifth round the Bengals start stockpiling some wide receivers who knows maybe even third round I mean, should we be talking higher for the Bengals at wide receiver based on number 1 the talent, some of the talent in this draft. Number 2, AJ Green's getting older and coming off of some injuries. John Ross appears to be staying in Cincinnati, but who knows? If that's <laughs> if if that, you know, if that rumor's ever going to fully go away. Tyler Boyd is entering the last year of his contract and then you've got a lot of guys behind them who are question marks. So, I don't know, man. I mean, is this something that the Bengals? Hey, you know, maybe they address either either a starting linebacker spot or offensive line spot in free agency, and then do the other at number eleven. All of a sudden, at the top of round two, one of these guys that's pretty explosive comes around. What do you do?
1: Right, and I think it's never a bad thing to attack a position that's strong in in, in, in any draft class. And and I love when I love how the combine is a week before free agency, and then you have. The, you know, position groups, like receiver, like tight end, like linebacker, blow everybody away. And then you're thinking, okay, we don't, we don't really need to spend a lot of money on these guys in free agency. If we can just, if, if there's a plethora of guys in the draft, that we can find later in rounds three, two, three, and four, and five, and just kind of, you know, feel exactly what we're looking for, but for, but for cheap. So when you're talking about the Bengals, wide receiver, beyond the top, beyond the top three, that we assume are going to start for 2019. There's just nothing there that's proven, right? We have Josh Malone, Cody core Auden Tate, Alex Erickson. Erickson is at least extended because of he, because of his special teams ability, but Balone hasn't proven anything. He's kind of like the offense's ver- version of Jordan Willis. You know, Tate is fun in certain situations as a niche player, but he can, he's certainly not attached to him in any sense of the word. And I think we all have a similar opinion on, on Cody core as well. So if there is an opportunity to take a guy who, they believe can contribute early and that's that's tough to say for receivers because they typically are the guys that you know t- take a year or two to really get um acclimated in, into a system but it's never a bad idea I guess because at the end of the day you just want to draft good players you just want to draft players that can become long-term building blocks for your roster and especially when you're dealing with a position that has a lot of uncertainty it's, I I just don't think it's the worst thing in the world now I do believe that we should be under the presumption that you know they're going to do a lot of work to get Boyd extended before he enters for agency. I think, to your point, they, they might have learned their lesson from Whitworth in terms of getting AJ Green back on the books. Because if they let him go, then the fan base might riot even more. So I think it's safe to say that at least one of those guys is coming back. But beyond that, again, a lot of uncertainty. And then you're dealing with a, a bunch of tr- you know wide receivers who are six three, six four, running four five, four four, you know, speed in. in great downfield threats all most of them are productive so this this class is really deep in that sense and if they take care of their business from free agency and find multiple starters at positions of need they have some luxury to to maybe take you know this year's jesse bates you know because ultimately not a lot of people viewed safety as a big need for the Bengals, but they had other ideas they wanted to move on from georgia loca and if they find a receiver on on day two or maybe early day three that can provide them something that they don't have and at least you know, get some long-term stability in that position, it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world because this position that, because that position is really deep this year and has a lot of talent. And there's just going to be a lot of good players from this class. And I, I don't think it's the worst idea to invest in that.
0: So we're going to kind of, uh, I, I don't think, unfortunately, Edward Valentine's going to join us. Um, we're we're running a little bit out of time. And uh, by the way, it is not on Ed uh, it, th- this was my fault because I had reached out to him kind of last minute and tried to tried to get him in here and and uh, unfortunately I don't I don't think it's going to work out but we'll get him on at some point in the near future too uh, good guy and and uh, a big name through the SB Nation network but um, we're gonna kind of mold, meld together listener questions with what the topic we're talking about because a lot of I'm, we're getting a lot of questions about specific players in the live YouTube chat here. Um, you know, I, I see Will Smith. Just two words in a question mark. Montez Sweat, mm. obviously um, tested well. I don't know if he's going to be there at eleven. Is that somebody you look at? Uh, I think he'll, I think he'll be there at
1: eleven. Okay, because I, now the the first thing that I that I thought of with Sweat, and it's not an indictment on him, but there, there's there's just. It, it was Jordan Willis, and I, that's like the third time I've said Jordan Willis on this program. He has nothing to do with any of this that sort we're of talking about, but um, I, I, there's a certain when you're watching film on guys, you kind of have a sense of you know what they're going to test like. And Jordan Willis's film and his athleticism testing did not mesh at all because I think he ran like a four or five, had like a six, eight, three cone adding explosive jumps and you're thinking there's no way this guy was the same guy in film. Maybe he just, you know, trained extremely well. And I think a similar thing could have, could have happened to sweat because the dude is athletic on, on TV, six, 65 216 and he has some good bend and he's got some good snap jumping ability, but that four, four, one man, that, that just blew everybody out. It's like the fastest 40 from a defensive lineman in like 16 years or something like that. And, that, and it's not saying that sweat wasn't athletic, but he wasn't that athletic. So it, it, it it's, I think it's a caution for for people that maybe not completely buy into what he tested as, because now we know he can run that fast. Now we know that, you know, he has that ability. He has that gear in him, but is it going to show up on Sundays? Is, is it going to show up as a pass rusher? You, you'd like that he has that in his back pocket, but if he can, if he can develop that into some consistency, that would be fantastic. But as far as, you know, does that elevate him to him into the top 10? I I think it's a little too early to say because there's still Nick Bosa. There's still Josh Allen. There's still Brian Burns. There's still Rashawn Gary. There's still a lot of guys who tested well and already had that, you know, a a claim as being a a top half of the first round pick. I think Sweat's definitely in the first round, but top 10 might be a little bit too rich.
0: Seeing a lot of stuff uh, from a couple of people about um, moving back in the draft. Uh, especially if a guy like Devin White isn't there, maybe your boy Jonah Williams is not there. Is that something you see that is uh, worthwhile? Um, or do you think they need to start thinking about moving up? Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I you know, this, this seems to be a deep draft at a lot of positions, but some not at the positions the Bengals need necessarily. Um, I don't know. I'm
1: usually open to moving up, especially when you have 11 picks. But I think in their specific situation, it probably wouldn't be in their best interest. I think I think they're best suited to stay where they are because, you know, people create these lists all the time. Like they talk about this player's not going to be there. This player's not going to be there. This player's not going to be there. And then you end up listing like 20 guys who aren't going to be there at the 11th overall pick. And you're thinking, okay, this is not the way that it works. And it's never how it happens. So there's going to be 10 picks before the Bengals two of them are probably going to be quarterbacks. If we're assuming that they're going to keep Andy Dalton for 2019 move forward with him, I think it's safe to say they're probably not going to take one, even though they might consider a Haskins or a Daniel Jones if he's there, but then you're thinking, okay, that's, that's eight non quarterbacks that are going to be taking. There's, more than eight elite prospects in this draft class, in my opinion, in terms of athleticism, in terms of production, in terms of tape. And I think they'd be best suited to find that, you know, that uh, that linebacker in a uh, Devin White or Devin Bush, that pass rusher and maybe a Josh Allen, maybe an Ed Oliver, you know, m- you know, maybe a Brian Burns or somebody like that. I think that they need elite talent on this roster because they have multiple deficiencies all over the board and nothing really, you know, gets you back on track than getting that guy that... that that you're sure that, you know, he's going to be on the team for, for 10 years, you know, you're going to be able to extend him and he's going to be able to produce for a long time. And I think w- when, when you move back, then you're in danger of selecting Billy Price. And that's something that they should probably avoid this year. But um, no, I, I think, I think they're best suited to staying where they are because I th- they just need a lead talent. And I think they're going, going to be able to find an elite prospect at 11 at, you know, a position that they could play early.
0: Uh, I think it was, Let's see who it was. Uh, something is it? Something Hayes? Uh, basically, uh, it's kind of something that um, has been asked. Uh, Chief Hayes, um, do you? You know, is is this basically? Do you do you foresee number 11, the number eleven pick being offensive lineman or linebacker? Um, and if so, which one do you think? wins out personally I would say offensive lineman if it does come down to those two because I think Zach Taylor just offensive minded guy wants an offensive pick for his first pick um, and he wants that passing game to work um, that that would be my guess if it had to come down to those two I think most likely it comes down to those two but there could be a dark horse. what do you think
1: yes yeah, because last year it was like between you know linebacker or center because center was like the the dire need and what it turned out was that they actually address that dire need that's something that we haven't we weren't used to seeing because they always attack premium positions earlier in the draft and you know a, a position like center was usually addressed you know in the middle round or w- with an undrafted guy so for them to go out and, and attack their biggest need like that it was unexpected and I think that's could be a similar position that we that, that could be a similar situation that we see with the linebacker position where you're thinking you know th- th- this is a position that they only you know take third fourth round guys and try to plug him into you know make him the least priority because the the pieces around them are supposed to help him out but now you're thinking they have little to no depth of that position they have complete uncertainty with Montez perfect besides perfect they have you know Preston Brown as a free agent Nick vigil who's going into last year of his deal he's not exactly b- proven to be trem- tremendous in any Way, shape, or form. So I think linebacker is in that similar position that at center where you're thinking, okay, it's not traditional for the Bengals and their traditional draft values to take a linebacker this high, but it could be in a similar position where they're just in such a dire need for one. And there's probably, and there's going to be either Devin Bush or Devin White available there. And I think either of those two would be worth the pick. Um, and, and I think that both of those guys are the same caliber of prospects at linebacker that the top tackles are. And that'll be a healthy debate in terms of you know what what do what do they value more what do they need more with what they did in free agency so yeah it's probably gonna be between those two positions I wouldn't rule out maybe tight end or maybe a pass rusher or a defensive lineman I think those are gonna be like the four big positions that they're gonna be you know shuffling through because ultimately no one drafts pure best player available especially when you're picking 11th overall you have definite clear needs that on your roster that you need to address early. And I just think that linebacker could be in that similar position to center last year where you're thinking, okay, they need to address one early, but they normally don't do it this early, but this could be just a different situation because of how big the need is
0: quickly. And then we'll, we'll start getting out of here, John. There was a couple of other comments and questions about greedy Williams at number 11. Um, that would be very interesting on a number of different levels, especially if the Bengals end up losing out, um, on dark as denard um you know maybe they want to go that route is that something that's just you think that's overkill at that position uh especially given the needs at linebacker and offensive line or do you think that that would be something where you go hey that's that's pretty cool
1: yeah and i like greedy i just don't think that he's the cornerback that the Bengals should be looking for in terms of replacing denard i think there's some there's some intriguing options in the second or third round that could more aptly fill that nickel cornerback slot Greedy is more that, that, that zone guy who doesn't like to like to backpedal too much and you saw some of that uncomfortableness in in his uh on field drills at the combine. Um if they were to restructure Drake or Patrick and be able to move on from him earlier, I think he would be an upgrade over him. I still like, you know, the thought of having William Jackson here long term. So like the the cornerback that I was interested in, hopefully testing him was Byron Murphy or even a DeAndre Baker, two guys that I think could easily, you know, move inside and co- cover the slot with East. And that's ultimately what they're going to be missing when, when, and if dark was um, moves on to another team, I'm I'm still hoping that Dennard comes back. Cause I think they can afford him. And I think he's still a solid player, but I, I, I think in terms of what they'd be missing out with what, the, what they'll be losing with Dennard, greedy Williams is not the best player to, 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 to fill that role. And e- even though I think he's a good player, I, I just think that he's not the best fit. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and, and you know, I think he also maybe does a little bit more uh, on the outside, uh, right. Yeah, than than so much in the slot. But yeah, good stuff, John. Appreciate all the the notes you had on a, a lot of those players there. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We're gonna get out of here in just a second. Uh, you can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. You can get this show on the Megaphone platform as well as on YouTube and cincyjungle.com. John, thanks for everything. I'll see uh, see you next week, my friend. See you next week. All right, thanks, everybody. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We'll see you next episode. Also, keep it to our feed because we will be updating uh, some things on free agency happenings, departures, signings, all that stuff. So keep it here. Again, this is the Orange and Black Insider. We'll see you next time.